0: Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. Please help by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast if you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute. These are all free and help out a great deal. Word of mouth is how shows like this reach more people who are interested. Another way you can support this podcast is by way of a PayPal tip jar. These podcasts are like articles you would read in a magazine. In those times, writers were paid by the magazine itself. Readers would pay a small amount to read on topics that they were interested in. Now you can get content easily, but people who create it do not get any compensation unless those who like it contribute. You can leave a donation of any amount you like or set up a monthly donation just like Patreon or Subscribestar. There's a link in the description. I sincerely appreciate your interest and support. In today's podcast, I wanna dig into what traditional Japanese martial arts instructors of all kinds use to keep their students and practitioners confused. That probably seems like an odd statement, as instructors have the duty to teach clarity and understanding, not muddle the waters of the subject that they are teaching. If a teacher doesn't build cohesive understanding, are they a teacher anymore? I believe that the answer is no. They are not teachers. They are something else. I'm going to identify what they actually are by their behavior. The first thing to understand is that every activity has a language specific to it. That language is largely technical, but also includes important words and phrases which are well understood to those in the field, but often confuse those who are not familiar with the meaning or application. A good example of this would be baseball players who all know and understand terms like sliders, around the horn, pinch hitter, RBIs, two-seam fastball, and many others. If you're a baseball player, chances are you know the language of baseball and can converse comfortably with other players. People who are not familiar with these terms will get confused in those conversations. New players learn these terms in the course of being around more seasoned players. It's a natural learning process as they get to know the game and the community. Almost all activities have their jargon and lingo. Aviation, woodworking, surfing, you name it. If you don't know the language, you'll feel like you don't fit in. Humans are social creatures and will attempt to fit into a group. We can assume that it is a group they are interested in and want to fit in enough to bear the confusion while they learn the language. In this case, the group is martial arts. Learning the terms and language of the group you are getting involved in is a challenge, but it also shows the people already involved that you are sincere and dedicated to learning and fitting in. It's a kind of proof that you're willing to try and be part of the community. Showing you are willing to learn and adjust your behavior to fit in is normal and natural, but it's also a trait which makes people susceptible to manipulation. Remember, students are opening themselves up to be influenced and their behavior will change from the influence of the group. That's the goal and benefit of learning. However, this can be twisted into manipulation and exploitation. I tell you this as background as we dig into the terms budo, bujitsu, and bushido. These are three words which have significant disputes as to their exact definitions. Even if I were to offer you my definition for them, there'd be little value to you as my definition would differ from many others. Debates and arguments would probably ensue if I were to declare a meaning to them, and that's the very problem that I wish to address in this episode. Of these three words, the one which comes closest to having a firm definition, which most people agree with, is bujitsu. I'm not a Japanese linguist, nor am I fluent in Japanese. I'm only sharing what I've learned and heard over a few decades of being involved in Japanese martial arts. I'm gonna share what I think is the most basic definition which most people would agree on. The Japanese language, at least in terms of the words it uses, is straightforward and logical, rather like computer coding. Japanese words are made up of compounds consisting of base words to create more elaborate meaning. The term boo is a base term which means martial or pertaining to war. This is about as close as the English language can come to describing it. I'm sure there are those who are eager to jump up and dispute even this definition, but we have to start somewhere and that's the best starting point for this discussion. My opinion is that if a language cannot translate its meaning to other languages reasonably well, then that language is lacking. It's not like war and warfare in Japan was any different than anywhere else in the world. The minor details are a little different, but they had fighting, combat, strategy, and deception just like every other culture. The idea that a single word described things which pertain to this subject is pretty sound. On the subject of language, years ago a British linguist went to study one of the languages of sub-Saharan Africa. He brought with him a dictionary. When a tribal chieftain saw this thick book, he asked what it was. The linguist explained that this book held the definitions to all the words in his language. The chieftain was confused and said, Why do you not know all the words of your language? How can this be? We have no need for such a book because we know all the words of our language." The linguist was rather shocked by this statement. He came to find out that the language of the natives only included some 600 or so words. I don't remember the exact number, but I seem to recall that it was under a thousand. The linguist found out that they had no words to describe many details. For example, if you were going to describe a branch was on a tree, you would merely say the branch was up. There were no words for halfway up the tree, three-quarters of the way up the tree, or at the top or bottom of the tree. The language also did not include words which indicated future intention. In English we say things like, I should go to the store, I will go to the store, I intend to go to the store, I want to go to the store, I will be at the store, etc. The native language the linguist studied only indicated go store. When language is not capable of detailed description, it fails to provide adequate understanding of the concepts it's trying to describe. When two cultures interact, each with its own language, language usually adapts, and the words which are more descriptive tend to be adopted. The language with more clarity tends to win out. This is one reason English is such a dominant language, that it absorbed a great deal of vocabulary from many other languages. The result is a language which is very descriptive and precise in comparison to others. Other languages have more detailed vocabulary in certain areas, but English has proven itself as being very robust overall. It's a primary language of academics and professional fields of all kinds because of this. The Japanese language absorbed many words from other languages too, English being a primary one. When something works well, people adopt its use. Back to the topic of the Japanese terms. Bu is one term in the compound words Budo, Bujitsu, and Bushido. Jitsu means art, and is widely accepted to mean the technical aspects of a given field. In terms of martial arts, it refers to the technical study and practice only. Basically, the techniques, tactics, and strategies alone. Do refers to the way, and here's where a massive lack of clarity comes into the picture. I'll do my best to convey the meaning of Do so we can at least start discussing it. Even doing so will probably get many senior practitioners all riled up and ready to jump on me for being incorrect and showing my profound lack of understanding of the Japanese language, Japanese martial arts, and how to make coffee correctly. I'm going to describe it anyway because we need a starting point. Do seems to reflect the idea that one takes on an activity and lives their life around it. It's not just that you play baseball once in a while, but you immerse yourself in everything baseball. When you wake, you think of baseball, you practice baseball, you compete in baseball, and you go to sleep with baseball on your mind. You live by the code of baseball. Knowing how to throw, catch, and hit a baseball, and how to play the game, means you are merely in the world of jitsu. You have not really become baseball. You are merely a casual player. See how the difference between these two is very subjective? There's no real measure to describe how much dedication to baseball is enough to consider you following the way of baseball. Anything less is merely being a player. In the end, what exactly is the difference? In the Western world, we would simply say someone is a baseball fan, a player, or a professional player. You might even get a little deeper in detail with terms like they're a semi pro player or a retired player, or that they're a coach. These are clear descriptors which have nothing to do with judging someone's internal level of commitment to the activity. You could even consider a baseball fan as someone who is following the way of baseball, who lives and breathes baseball. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of baseball players, how the game is played, and its history, but has never actually played the game himself. Is such a person following the dough of baseball? What about the term Bushido? The most common translation of Bushido is the way of the warrior. To get a little more detail on it, Bushido is the code of conduct for the samurai class. The English equivalent would be someone who adheres to the code of chivalry. The thing about the term Bushido is that the Bushido code is a romanticized fiction of how the samurai behaved. The English code of chivalry went through a nearly identical process. Long after the samurai and medieval knights were relevant as warriors, writers came in to write a code which they claimed these warriors adhered to. These writings were not historically accurate at all and were meant to appeal to the sensibilities of the public at the time. They became popular because they appealed to the readers. They painted a very noble and romantic picture of these warriors. The historic truth is far less appealing. The real history about the behavior of the samurai had almost nothing to do with the modern code of Bushido, just as the behavior of real knights in medieval Europe had almost nothing to do with the modern code of chivalry. Both of these warriors were known for being ruthless, cruel, and self-serving. There are standouts who had good character, but for the most part, people are people and always have been. There are selfish people today who would sell their own mother for a profit, and they have existed all throughout time. The knights in the samurai class both wielded military power in their cultures, which was also political power. More often than not, the power corrupted them and they showed little restraint when it came to enriching themselves by using their power. The only thing which really kept them in check was other powerful warriors who would maneuver and fight for their own interests. It had nothing to do with being benevolent for the sake of peace. Yet, this romantic vision is what persists in the minds of martial art practitioners today. That is, the powerful yet benevolent protector who uses his power for good. It is a noble and splendid ideal, and one which we should strive for ourselves. It just had very little to do with history. If a medieval warrior wanted peace, it was only because war was too expensive or he didn't have the power to take what he wanted by force. Now that you have a basic understanding of these three terms, and the language upon which they are built, including the limitations of that language, I can cover the topic of this podcast, which is the shell game used to confuse and bewilder students of the Japanese martial arts. It is my observation that these terms are most often used to point out when students do not fully understand their meaning. This is a tool of mental manipulation. In modern times, we call this gaslighting. Gaslighting is a term used in psychology to indicate when a person or group covertly sows seeds of doubt in a targeted individual, making them question their own memory, perception, or judgment. The term itself comes from a stage play from the 30s which had two different movie adaptations made from it. In the story, a manipulative and abusive husband uses all manner of tricks to convince her wife that she's going crazy. One trick he uses is he ever so slightly lowers the lights in the house, and when she notices, he points out that they're just as bright as they always have been. In the original story, the lights were gas lamps, thus the term gaslighting. Whenever I hear an instructor state that someone doesn't understand what budo means and that whatever interpretation or definition someone has for it is wrong, it seems like gaslighting to me. The fact that the language does not firmly define it opens the door for manipulation. This lack of clarity with the definition is perfect fuel for those who wish to perform psychological manipulation of others. It's a way to appear as a strong authority figure and make sure others feel ignorant and inadequate. They doubt their ability to comprehend and understand. You can see this in how many traditional martial art practitioners who are so psychologically damaged that they say things like, I've been studying this art for decades and I still don't understand it. Or, I'll never be able to understand this art, it's so complex. The thing about the mind is that if you tell it you cannot understand something, it will believe you and keep you from understanding it. Aikido is a complex art, but people are well capable of learning to understand it and do it well. The idea that they cannot is garbage and it comes from extended exposure to propaganda and bad teaching. Imagine a baseball team which had a coach who, whenever a player used a baseball term, would point out that the usage of that term was incorrect. Let's say that it was not a term as specific as slider, but a term which described exactly what they were doing, such as with a statement like, baseball is a sport. The coach would say, no, you are not using the term sport correctly in describing baseball. Clearly, you don't understand what the word sport means. That is an excellent analogy to the statement that Aikido is not a martial art, or that Aikido is not a budo. It's like a shell game, where the instructor is moving the shells around, and the student is constantly trying to keep up and follow which one has the P under it. They try in vain to follow, but the instructor is always far ahead and manipulating students into failing to find the P. This is not teaching. I'm not saying all instructors do this but this is a pretty common practice in the Japanese traditional martial arts community. The reasons I think are twofold. First, you make money by keeping students wanting to find the secret. They all want knowledge and if you give it to them, the feeling is that once they have it, they will leave and the instructor will lose tuition revenue. The longer you can keep students around, the more financially secure you will be. Second, it makes the instructor look and feel like the master, the guru. It's a method as old as time to make yourself look wise by trying to make others around you believe that they are idiots. Again, this is not teaching. This is manipulation. Going back to the baseball team. Let's say that the coach does nothing but manipulate and berate his players. He always calls them out for being wrong and misunderstanding the terms they use. Even the very definition of the activity that they are doing. Do you think that they would have good teamwork or have a chance in actually winning a game? The answer would be no to both. They would have no confidence whatsoever and would be in a constant state of confusion. What if that baseball team never actually played a game? Maybe because the coach convinced them that competition was bad and that baseball was never meant to be played against another team. Their performance would never be objectively evaluated and they would have no victories or losses. The only failure they would experience is what the coach told them. Because he is manipulating his team, there would be no victories only criticisms. This is essentially the Aikido world in a nutshell and many other traditional martial arts as well. By giving up on any and all aspects of competition the only feedback left is that of subjective performance standards of the instructor. Just like the imprecise language, the lack of objective performance standards also opens the door and invites manipulation. There are highly skilled and incredible instructors who indulge in behavior like this. It can be done in small ways or in large ways. I'm not offering judgment on their character, as I believe this is largely inherited behavior. Our instructors did it with us, and we learned by example, just like child abuse. It doesn't mean that behavior is acceptable, just the opposite, it is unacceptable and nonproductive. We must break the chain of this behavior because it harms the students and it harms the art. I don't see a way to change the behavior of others, And that's not the purpose of this podcast. We should be able to see and identify this behavior for what it is. When you can see it, you can recognize it and not fall into it. This is the first step in protecting yourself from manipulation. Once you hear the method I've described, chances are you may now notice where this behavior has crept into your own thinking or teaching. If you have the desire to, you can root it out and not pass it along to your students and those who look up to you. I believe this is one of the reasons why people do not find traditional martial arts training appealing. They are promised answers and enlightenment, and instead they get empty promises. There are no secrets, just knowledge you don't have yet. The traditional martial arts world isn't the only one which deals in this kind of thing. The self-defense world is full of it too, with one evangelist after the next claiming that everyone else is a charlatan and only he knows the true secrets of surviving violence, which he will share with you provided you sign up. Once you do, you are told just as often how wrong you were about the terms and principles you use. Remember earlier when I talked about the language used by those in a certain activity? There is an activity which uses these methods abundantly, and those are cults. People who use this language are called priests, prophets, and evangelists. They use charisma and authority to draw followers to them and then keep them confused and bewildered. The lure is salvation and the answers for living their lives. These methods are particularly effective with those who have suffered emotional trauma or are living through great turmoil. They are emotionally vulnerable and are perfect prey for the one who promises answers and enlightenment. In many ways, people seek the traditional martial arts for these greater answers about spirituality, morality, philosophy, character, and the realities of the universe. In Aikido's case, the founder was deeply religious and built a strong bond between his martial art and his religion. Most Aikido practitioners would acknowledge that they do not follow the Omoto religion, but how they view their practice of Aikido indicates that it is far more of a religious practice than a martial one. If it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, and walks like a duck, then it's probably not a lion. Unfortunately, the very traits which makes humans strong, their social bonds, are the very things which make them easily manipulated. This is done through language, which is how the gaslighting is delivered. If you find yourself with an instructor who does this, don't listen to their words. Just watch how they move. You can still learn from them if they have good technical skills. Just beware of everything they say and take it with a truckload of salt. Scrutinize every statement they make and verify it with unrelated sources before you choose to adopt it yourself. Make sure you are not in a philosophical echo chamber of people who are merely repeating the same false things back and forth with each other. Practical experience does wonders for learning to spot these echo chambers. A modern method of manipulation through language comes with a technique called neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP. NLP takes gaslighting and straps a jet engine on it. NLP was developed back in the 70s as a way to manipulate people, and it was flushed out as a system. It is often taught and used as a way to make salespeople more effective at selling, which it certainly does. I believe that this practice is unethical because you're using rhetorical trickery to sell products or services, but this is just the modern version of the samurai or knights using their power to get what they want. In our case, the weapons are words, not swords. I've found many martial arts instructors use NLP techniques, probably without even realizing they're doing it. I'm not going to break down NLP here, but if you can sense when you are being intentionally confused, you can spot NLP. It's just a more sophisticated version of gaslighting. Remember that no concept in the martial arts world is mystical or impossible to understand, any more than sliders, change-ups, or curveballs are in baseball. Martial arts and violence are not quantum mechanics. They have been a part of human behavior from time immemorial, and there is a great deal known about them. Don't let someone gaslight you into thinking you are incapable of understanding them. What is really going on is that they are incapable of teaching you what they are about. Recognize the situation for what it is. They are not teaching you. They are tricking you. Use your head and don't fall for it. By all means, give them the chance to impart their knowledge to you, but be cautious of getting drawn into some kind of weird cult where they want to lead you along. If they cannot teach you, stop wasting your time and find a teacher who can and will. Don't play the shell game. There's no winning move. Just like the street game, you can play and play and play, but all you will do is end up penniless and frustrated. What do you think? Please share your ideas in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Martial Side and post a comment. The Spirit Aikido Online program is now live. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods that I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. There's a link in the description section. I invite you to check it out. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.